Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted and Garrett are back with you after uh, Thanksgiving break. Today's episode is going to be a little different. We're going to cover four episodes from season two that we call the oddballs because we don't really like them. And we think they stand (laughs) out as odd episodes of a show called The Odd Couple that really don't deserve a full hour podcasts. We're going to cover all four of them in our one podcast. We may go a little long, I guess, if uh, if we end up talking about them a little more than 15 minutes each. I'm saying that at the start of the podcast because I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but we're going to devote, cover all of these four in one, and then we'll go back to our normal routine mostly, although we will still from time to time do mini, mini episodes about certain clunkers. So uh, anything you want to say, Garrett, about this before we dive forward? Uh, well, I would only add that we, we went into this uh, looking at those titles and thinking of them as the lesser episodes of season two and made a commitment ahead of time to bunch them together. Uh, but uh, I, won't, I don't want to spoil anything by assuming that we will assume that they are all terrible. Yes, because we'll they- have to see. Yes, right. We'll see where we come down on them. They all have their, they all have some redeeming qualities, but not a lot. So the first episode we're going to tackle is the actually first episode of season two, which is called Natural Childbirth. It's the first episode in the new set. It aired to open the season on September 17th, 1971. And it was re- written by some familiar names, right, Garrett? Yes, if this is, um, by the way, all the episodes we'll be discussing today are written by many of the usual suspects. So uh, we cannot blame any of them on some uh, rogue writer who shouldn't have been there. These are all regular uh, contributors to the Odd Couple. And uh, season one, episode one, starting off the season with the team of Bill Idelson, Harvey Miller, who are pretty much the, the leaders of the writer's room. So this is theirs. So we're not going to cover each episode of the depth we normally do. We'll, we'll cover what happens in the show, but we're not going to go into all the the inconsistencies and the little tidbits we find, uh, we'll cover whatever we think is relevant. So in the first episode of season two, which is available on CBS All Access, by the way, Felix comes home and he opens the door, finds a young woman sleeping on the living room couch who he doesn't know. He wakes her up and she says she was waiting for Oscar, who is also not home. She says she has a surprise for him and she gets up because right now she's essentially lying on her stomach almost and we can see all of a sudden that she is very pregnant we had not seen that before with and with the joke uh that felix is uh saying oh does you know are you gonna you're skipping the dialogue i guess for this whole thing. i am yes we're not doing the dialogue i yes. do i do just i just want to emphasize the basic thrust of it which is that felix is going hi who are you and she says i'm looking for oscar madison and he says, oh, is he expecting you? And she says, no, it's a surprise and shows her pregnant belly. Right. Which we, leads to. In the opening scene, Felix is assuming that Oscar uh, knocked off this girl, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> right. I, will, I will say that Martha was played by an actress named Hillary Thompson, who did a, a bunch of guest spots and small on TV shows and small parts in movies. 
um, on sh uh, in the 70s and 80s, mostly on short-lived TV series. Uh, so, um, yeah, Oscar walks in and uh, the first thing Felix says to him, which is one of the few funny uh, points in the show, is, Oscar, how could you? Um, because, and Oscar's got no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> but we, we come to find out that this is... Um, Blanche's niece from Springfield, Ohio, Iowa. This is not uh, someone that, this is a relative of, of Oscar's and, and Felix is of course ashamed that he thought anything else. What I didn't understand was Felix is home with this lady uh, some amount of time before Oscar walks in. Wouldn't he have already figured this out? Wouldn't he have <laughs> said, how are you? How do you know Oscar? In which case, oh, she was married to my sister. It's a little bit silly that uh, yes, apparently after the breaks opening credits between then and when Oscar comes home, the two of them have no conversation at all. Right. Um, and she is married to an army officer who has been delayed coming to New York uh, and they want to have the baby uh, naturally, which is the point of the episode. We'll find out uh, in uh, New York where they had a honeymoon in the Bronx. Uh, we also find out that she calls Oscar Uncle Sloppy. And um, Felix offers Martha his room for the night because obviously he doesn't want Martha to sleep in Oscar's room. Uh, and now we find out that Martha wants natural childbirth, which is a very 70s thing to talk about. Uh, and it's a big part of the episode. This almost feels like an issues episode of The Odd Couple, which yeah, it does. does not, does not right. work for The Odd which Couple. they don't do. <laughs> no. Uh, but Felix is very excited about child, natural childbirth. He, he embraces the idea. Um, and they, Martha and her husband want to go to a hotel room in the Bronx, not in a hospital. And that is a line that Felix doesn't want to cross. He does think that natural childbirth is okay, but they should be in a hospital. So... Oscar ends up calling her parents, even though he promises Martha that he would not call her parents, but he can't reach anyone. And there's a long, boring, unfunny scene where Oscar's talking to Martha's little brother and then a Spanish-speaking maid or housekeeper or babysitter. Uh, and then there's a discussion about childbirth, natural childbirth or not, first with just Felix and Oscar. And then we're in a scene in Nancy's office, Nancy... Oscar's girlfriend who has early, you know, when we left off, she was gone from the show, but now she's back because we're back in season episode one. Right. Uh, and she's a carryover from season one. So yes. right away, she is part of the ensemble. Like they clearly intend Nancy to be a major supporting character, I think. And she's right. And she's a doctor, obviously. So while they're talking about her, the three of them, Martha's sitting out in the waiting room, which is weird, mm -hmm. and just leaves and hears them. And now Nancy's vantage point, she could see Martha. And it always annoyed me that she didn't like stop her or notice it. And I, it's just a silly scene that like hear these two men mansplaining child, <laughs> natural childbirth to Martha and she leaves. So they call she, Murray. And we should say she leaves because uh, even though Nancy is sympathetic to the natural childbirth idea, there's, uh, they're not supportive. There's, they still are pressuring her to, be in, to, to deliver in a hospital just without the anesthetic. And so she thinks they're not supporting her and she tries to get away. So they call Murray to help find her, but 
she's not she's not been missing long enough and she's not young enough for Murray to do anything. And he advises them to search the natural childbirth clinics in New York City. Another remarkably unfunny scene for Murray. I, I, th I do give this episode a little bit of leeway because I do think adjusting to a new set with a studio audience and three cameras, I guess they're allowed to not find the rhythm yet, but I don't think the script helped. So now we have a new scene. And yeah, speaking of the new setup, I mean, yeah. there, actually, there are a lot of sets in this episode. Yes. They're very ambitious for doing a, a three camera episode. Uh, so now we go to a new scene. We're in a natural childbirth class. Felix and Oscar come in. They say to the woman who's running it, they're looking for his runaway niece. She says she's heard this story before. People run away and they sometimes come to her class. So she has a class for newcomers soon and they're welcome to stay. Uh, and then Martha walks in so that they can talk to her. So Surprise. the instructor is played by an actress named Jessica Meyerson, who was in two other episodes of The Odd Couple, a season one episode. Also, we will see her later in Take My Furniture, Please. She's one of the women who come to the boy's apartment. Oh, I, I remember, yeah. After they put the ad in the paper to yes, buy her furniture. Right. Uh, she's Mrs. Ferguson. Um, and... Uh, also, one of the men in this class, this guy named mm -hmm. Odgen Talbot, is in six odd couple episodes, including <laughs> this one. He's very familiar, yeah. Yes. So they agree. So Martha comes in and Oscar and Felix talk to her. They agree that natural childbirth is okay as long as she goes to a hospital and she's fine with that. And then the instructor says, well, you need a coach. And Oscar becomes her coach because the husband obviously is still in Germany. So now we cut to a new scene in the living room where Felix and Oscar and Martha are practicing natural childbirth, uh, but she actually goes into labor at the time and we will play the best clip of the show uh, from that moment. Improvise, give her assurance, give her confidence, that's the key. Come on, I want you to breathe now. You gotta breathe nice, you got nothing to lose. I'm telling you, get in there, honey, and you'll breathe, you can't lose. We're all on your side, you're gonna do it, honey. You're How's that? It's fine for Between the Rounds with Sugar Ray Robinson. I don't know what to say, Felix. Uncle Felix, You just you. breathe deeply. I'll help with the birth of this child. Boy, you're going to need some more coaching. Well, you're taking this too seriously and you're exhausting her. I'm taking motherhood too seriously? Now, deep abdominal breathing. Oh, I feel funny, Uncle Oscar. What? I feel funny. What do you mean funny? Funny ha-ha funny or funny here funny? Funny here funny. Funny here, funny like strange, or funny like like a contraction? I don't know. Maybe it's indigestion. No, I have indigestion. No, 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 no. This is nothing to worry about. I've been a father twice. I've been through all of this. There's no reason for panic. Now, we've got the book here to tell us exactly what to do. Now, just we'll assume, just for the sake of argument, that it is a contraction. Now, how long, how long was this? I just had the one. Oh, well, then we'll just wait for another one. Meantime, I think Oscar should call Nancy and make the whatever preparation. It's all right with you if Nancy's called, isn't it, Martha? Sure, fine. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Now, this has been going oh, on for Dr. Cunningham, please. Years. There's absolutely yeah, well, listen, leave a message. She's to call Oscar Madison right away. Well, she's in the neighborhood. She's to drop in because it's very, very important. Yeah. 
shouldn't have told it like that. She'll think it's an emergency. There's no real rush. Oh, there's another one. They feel like contractions. Oh, that's two. She's going to have them right now. You really think it's a contraction? Well, why don't we time it? Take a stopwatch. Time it. Time what? Her alleged contractions. Start it. Start it. Start it. We'll see how long it is before the next one comes along. If there is a next one. I don't think it could have been a contraction, because that would mean you were in labor. I know. And you're not due for a week, so I don't think it could be a contraction. I guess oh, you're right. Listen, send me a cat. Why yes, it's very important. Why? Because she's going to have the baby, and I want her to go oh. to the hospital. Oh, no. What strike? You had a strike last week. What is it with you guys? Oh, there's another one. Another one? So soon. Uh -huh. well, what's the time? 3.30. No, on the stopwatch. What's the time? A minute and 45 seconds. What does that mean? Minute? Well, it doesn't mean anything unless it's under two minutes. So it's, it's a minute and 40. Oh, my God! She's in labor. Oh, oh, no. She's going to have a little baby. Oh, call an ambulance. Don't panic. Get out of here, buddy. Operator. Operator. We need an ambulance. Anybody's. Anybody's. Just a white car with a bed in it. Go to your room. Pack a light bag. Here, here. The book will tell you what you need. Take her to the book. Pack a bag for me, too. Go, go, go. Oh, ambulance. We have a pregnant woman here. Yes, 1049 Park Avenue, apartment 1102, and hurry. What do you mean an hour? Why? What blizzard? Wait, Oscar, is there a blizzard? I can't tell, it's all white. Go to your room and lie down, that's an order. Go, go, hello, hello, get here in a hurry. This is an emergency. Oh, oh. Even that scene isn't that funny. And that's the best three minutes of the show. There are some funny moments when Oscar looks at his watch and says what time it is and Felix going into labor pains, but like, it's not that great an episode. It's not that great a scene even, right? Uh, I think it, well, I think there's more funny stuff that happens after. I think the, I like, I do like the build of this scene and including the stuff that happens next. It has a nice farcical yeah, energy to it. It is farcical. The, a lot of what happens next is too visual for a clip. Yeah. I find it too farcical. So an e EMS crew does show up and they start to put Felix on a stretcher. He looks <laughs> now that's sick. funny. That's it is funny. funny. I can't play a clip of it. So I agree that that's funny. Uh, by the Although way, stretching, stretching credibility. I, I mean, it's, they're just yes. coming in, I guess, assuming there's a sick patient, but they yeah. don't know. It really makes the <laughs> NYPD hospitals, the New York hospital system look completely inept. But they do come really fast. They do come really fast. <laughs> Even now, though the, they were just saying that's going to be an hour. The African-American EMS worker, I believe, is the same guy who played the janitor in the ep flashback episode when Felix oh. has Which is season Leonard. three, I think. Or season I don't know the season four. offhand, but um, he's a guy that Oscar's talking to and at one point yes. like puts up his fist and says, yeah. brother. Yeah. Um, so Murray stops them from putting Felix in the ambulance and then says the call was for a pregnant woman. Um, oh, by, yeah, I think we- Yeah, you, I, now, I, you can go back, yeah. now you can go back and say what Murray's been doing. Yeah, so I, I forgot to say earlier that, um, that first of all, in the scene, um, uh, we to go back to our first comment we ever got about 1049 Park Avenue that they oh. moved- there, we have, Let's deal with that. Yeah. We have proof that they live at 1049 Park Avenue in season two because uh, when Oscar calls to get an ambulance, he says 1049 Park Avenue. In season two, episode one, one they right. are laying yes. down a marker right yes. away that it is the same building. 
So David, we will never mention you again, but that's our, that's our, that's the stamp on that issue. Um, So yeah, I I skipped a senior. So the next, so that's covers that. So before the MS crew shows up, Felix is actually still in labor pains and he's now he's making chicken soup and Nancy shows up as Murray does, but Murray has brought with him a pregnant woman who he thinks is Martha because of the description, but it's obviously not Martha. This is so stupid. So Murray's <laughs> on the street or at a hospital or at a pregnancy center and finds a woman and doesn't ask, is your name Martha, but ki- basically kidnaps a woman and brings yes. her to the apartment. Yes. It's ridiculous. And it's not just, well, the joke is supposed to be that she's completely the opposite of Martha in like Martha's this lovely girl next door type. And she he brings in some really <laughs> brass and rude uh, New Yorker type. But what's weird is that uh, Murray says, well, she fits the description, like, you know, whatever age, pregnant and from Iowa. Yeah. And she, but this woman is clearly not from Iowa because she talks like from the Bronx. Right. So, but, but how, okay. But I, I'm fixated on like, okay. So how we even found how, how well, not, but how did what, he get no, her what here? He did, right. Yeah. Right, how right. did he get her here? So, uh, so after, so the MS crew comes, they put Felix on the stretcher. Murray says, no, it's a, it's, they're here for the pregnant woman. Then they go grab this woman because, mm-hmm. and they lift her up. They physically just lift yeah. her up to throw her on the ambulance without <laughs> any care at all. Um, and then Murray says, no, go to the other room. And then they do that. And then they come out like there's a cut scene. And I don't know if you notice this. One of them says false alarm. Mm-hmm. And they go to, and then we hear a baby crying. Mm-hmm. So I guess the false alarm means, oh, we don't have to bring the baby to the hospital. But <laughs> if a baby's mm. being born That's in the other point. room, yeah. what is the fault? Why is it a false alarm? It is not a false alarm. It's an actual alarm. I, yeah. They were well, too late is, I guess, I, the point. Okay, well, that's not false alarm. That's too late. Oscar comes out all in all that a beautiful baby was born. And Nancy comes out with a something wrapped in baby blankets. The audience claps as if it was a real baby. And we see the most terrible stock footage <laughs> of a baby from like 1942. <laughs> the film is so grainy. It's not in black and white, to be fair. But... Uh, no, it might as well have been. It's just the worst inserted stock footage. Yes. And Nancy, cheap. Nancy then gives credit for the assist to Oscar and Felix shakes Oscar's hand and says, we did it. And then the tag comes and the other pregnant woman, for some reason, is still in the apartment. (laughs) Even though she didn't want to be there. Right. And she goes into labor and then Felix goes into labor himself again. And that's the end of the show. I don't think that's the worst of the tags we've seen. I agree. Comic logic to it that she should be next. I agree. The tag is not the problem. So so (laughs) I'm going to talk about why I don't like it and then what I liked. And then Garrett's going to do that. And then we're going to move on to the next episode. So here's why I don't like it. The whole idea of natural childbirth is so is very dated and to me, very boring. And this makes it it makes the show feel like it's from the early 70s, which while the show has very many 70s feels to it, that most of the comedy overcomes that. And the focus on natural childbirth is just really dated. It's slow, it's unfunny, um, and there's just stretches of scenes that go on way too long. Uh, then they, I feel Oscar had this way too long discussion about natural childbirth and that mm-hmm. Jim Thorpe was yeah. born naturally. Yeah. 
those that scene with Nancy talking about natural childbirth goes on too long. Uh, Murray trying to find Martha, uh, the practice scene, and and then it goes all farcical, which is I don't farcical is is too farcical for me. The things I liked were when Oscar comes home and Felix says, "Oscar, how could you?" Uh, there's when Felix calls natural childbirth the most fulfilling experience a woman can have. As if he somehow knows everything yeah. about women. That's very funny. Um, and yes, when Felix is put on the ambulance, uh, the stretcher, it's funny. What about you? Um, I I enjoyed a fair amount of it to some degree. I, it is a weaker episode. And it's certainly a weird episode for them to start the season with. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I can't tell whether this is one of those things where as a, a listener of ours brought up, like, well, they didn't necessarily air them in the sequence they shot them or wrote them. And this could have been chosen as a first, as a season premiere for many reasons. But it does seem like a new tone in a way. You know, because you're right, it is kind of an issue show, which is weird for them that they spend so much time explaining natural childbirth to an audience that might still not be familiar with it. Um, I find that interesting historically it is it is dated like it's a real period piece it really captures that it does remind me also how many times this season more than i remember and of course because i was too young to realize it but now how much they were trying to either satirize or uh uh you know ca- uh, uh use very things that were very current very trendy very modern 70s trends come up a lot in the series i had forgotten how much it does that well let's see what did i like and not like um i love the the all felix the felix uh you know doing the pregnant pregnant act yeah (laughs) uh tony randall's having a lot of fun with that and i the scene that you played where they're coaching her the the bit when he does the the sugar ray the boxing he's coaching her like a yeah like uh burgess meredith in, in rocky uh is really funny um and that's one of those sequences that seems like one of those improv things that klugman and randall improv their way through and work out so there's some good interaction bits between them um the the scene in the uh the natural childbirth center the pregnancy class is is not it's like a like a real spoof of trendy 70s things it does have one of my favorite lines though which is who's the guy you said is the frequent supporting characters in that scene is one uh, of the Yes, it is Ogden Talbot. Ogden Talbot. Yeah, so the whole room is full of these much younger parents, of course, than than Felix and Oscar, who are all these counterculture and hippie types. And uh, and they're all supportive of her. And they're saying, hey, man, don't, don't, you know, uh, don't ruin her dream of natural childbirth. And then when she says, I want to have my baby in a hotel in the Bronx, and then Ogden Talbot goes, the Bronx, that's a bit too natural for me. Yeah, I so didn't like that Um <laughs> but it is it's kind of like a three men and a baby setup premise right it's like i think part of the joke here is that here we have the show about these two bachelor or divorced <laughs> new bachelors you know and it's such a man show maybe there's an effort here to bring uh, a more female presence in with nancy and to give them a very you know a very non-traditional man issue to deal with which is how to help this woman have a baby so i guess that was the premise it is a weird way to start it has its it has its laughs and i do like the farcical buildup at the end of like one calamity on another you know uh the wrong pregnant woman the medics come 
Um, so that surprisingly worked for me better than I remembered, but it's one I could probably do without. So I gave it one and a half out of five Murrays. Yeah, I'd give it two. All right, that's not that high. All right, now we're going to move on to A Grave for Felix, which is season two, episode five, uh, and air date of October 15th, 1971. And the writers are? And this is the, another familiar team, uh, Dick Bensfield and Perry Grant, who are, I guess are the sort of the number two team on the staff next to Iverson and Miller. So again, they've written many, many of the episodes. So Felix is leaving his apartment, the apartment, for a job, and he needs a favor from Oscar, uh, who has come home apparently from playing sports outside. He's in that usual Oscar sweats outfit. He needs Oscar to deliver a $100 deposit to a cemetery because he wants to reserve the perfect plot that he has found for his burial, which is 204 by the Babbling Brook, and they need a cash deposit today. Uh, so Oscar, Felix leaves $100 for Oscar. Oscar's in the shower and acknowledges all this. And the phone rings after Felix leaves. And Oscar, who has now all of a sudden, I guess, realized Felix has left, has comes out wet in a towel with a beer with, I guess, soap on top of it. And it is pretty funny to see him come out to answer the phone, which I guess somehow there's only a phone in the living room. I thought there were phones in I his bedroom. I thought he has a phone in his bedroom. Yeah, that's so, been established. Yeah, so that's kind of obviously just, you know, excuse to get him out. Now, the, yeah. did you notice, however, that Jack Klugman's hair is not wet? <laughs> it's, he I wears did. a toupee. Now that you mention it, I yes, that is yes. notable. Yes. Right. So the phone They could have given him a wet toupee, though, couldn't they? Props of... Oh, no, he had just come in. He has to do a very quick costume change in that. Yeah, but somehow they got him wet, wet. Yeah, I don't know. No, uh, no, I think he was home the whole. Oh, no, he did just come in. Yeah, so I guess I don't know how they got him wet, wet, but um, they did not make his hair wet. It's a tip on a horse, uh, but he has no money until he spots Felix's $100 sitting on the, on the table. So he grapples with the decision to take the money or not. And in a funny way, he does it. He kind of talks himself into it. He wants the bookie on the phone to talk him into it. So he leaves the apartment in his towel to go <laughs> put the money down. And he comes back in and says, look at this. And the audience says, look at this. It was supposed to think, look at this. I'm going outside naked. But he says he forgot the $100. And he grabs $100 <laughs> and walks bad out in a towel. I will uh, say that that is a good opening. It's a funny opening scene. Yeah, yeah. So the next scene, Oscar and Nancy are having lunch in the apartment because he has to watch the race to see if the horse that he bet on won. It's Matchmaker is the name of the horse. Matchmaker uh, is ahead by four lengths at some point in the race, but towards the end comes in last. And it's funny how Jack Klugman says, you know, uh, as, as the horse, as the announcers start saying, uh, four lanes, three lanes, two lanes, Jack Klugman is saying, no, four lanes, what happened to four <laughs> lanes? Oh, no, four lanes, four lanes. Yeah. It's very right. funny. It is a funny scene. Again, because this is just kind of natural normal odd couple stuff happening in the apartment. This is, we're not yet up to the bad stuff. Um, so the horse comes in last, like really last. And it, it's again, also funny. So that great bit where that great bit where Nancy's going to turn off the TV yeah. and Oscar says, Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, Nancy, here he comes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now we're in a new scene where Felix is at the cemetery and we hear funeral music playing on the show, which 
is weird. And birds chirping. So he lies down where the plot is, as if he's testing it out for his burial. And an old groundskeeper comes around and they start to talk. And Felix asks if he knows anything about the person who's in the plot next to him. The man says he was the first cellist for the Philharmonic, which of course is very exciting to Felix that he has such esteemed company. The groundskeeper is played by an actor named John Quaylen, who has 220 movies yeah. and TV shows to his credits from the 30s to the 70s, including a lot of work with John Ford. Yeah, for some major classic movies. Yeah. So Felix cleans the other man's gravestone, kind of out of a sign of respect and tidiness, and then starts whistling taps while lying in a grave position. Um, Oscar somehow finds him there, and that's where we get this clip. Felix, uh. you nearly scared me to death. You wouldn't have far to go. I'm glad you got down here. I want you to see my plot. Yeah, I see it. Isn't Listen, this I'm, lovely? Yes, it's beautiful. I want to talk oh, to you. Oh, you have no idea how long I searched for just the right spot, and now I've found it. Oh, so serene and peaceful here. Look at this lovely shade tree. And there's the babbling brook. Close enough to hear, but far enough to avoid seepage. <laughs> Look, I want to talk to you. I don't know how to put it. What's the matter, Oscar? You got troubles? Yeah, I got troubles. See, that's why I want to talk to you. I want to tell you. Money troubles? Well, partly money, but that's not all. Well, when you stop to think about it. Is anything that important? No, I don't think so. Little troubles all seem to work their way away. I realize that now that I'm here. Life's problems are pretty minor, after all. As long as you've got a place to come to in the end. You ain't got no place. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Felix. You're out in the cold. I, 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 I don't understand. You're not talking about this plot. Yeah, somebody beat you out of it. I didn't get down here with the money in time and somebody else copped your grave. Copped my grave? I don't believe this. Well, it's true. So if you're gonna die, don't die here because they're gonna have to move you. Oscar, how, how could... This is like a nightmare out of Charles Dickens. What, what did you do? Did, did you just forget? No, I didn't forget. A better thing came along. A better thing? Yeah, only it didn't come along fast enough. <laughs> if you want to blame anybody, blame that lousy horse. You didn't do this. Yes, I did, and I'm terribly sorry. He's sorry. He bets my grave on a horse, and he tells me he's sorry. Yes. You bet my eternal resting place on a sweaty animal, and you tell me you're sorry? Yeah, I'm sorry, Look, if I don't want, you could have had two plots. What do I want with two plots? What am I, the fat man in a circus? <laughs> what do you want me to say? You can say this is the most irresponsible thing you've ever done. It's outrageous. It's the most irresponsible thing I've ever done. It's outrageous. Well, you're just saying that. <laughs> you told me to say it. You could at least have the decency to apologize. I apologize, Felix. That's not going to get me back to my grave, is it? Boy, boy, please, please, keep it down. People are trying to rest here. Sinuses are killing me. I didn't mean it. See, Eddie called me up. He told me he had the short thing. Now he's got me talking to graves. So, that's... You know, it's may not be the funniest scene, but it is a scene that we, you know, kind of lays out what's going on here and, um, you know, does cover the 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 crux of the episode about, 
Felix, uh, Oscar gambling away Felix's gravesite. Um, but what I don't understand is this is the next day, obviously. So somehow between the time Felix left with the money, left after leaving the money and coming to the gravesite, he had no idea this happened. So when he comes home from work that next night, Oscar doesn't tell him. Oscar just avoids <laughs> telling him. You would think when Felix um, gets gets to the gravesite, the first thing he would do would be go to the office and say, That's did, true. Say I'm my here for roommate, my grave. Yeah. Right. Did my roommate leave the money? Let me sign the paperwork or everything. Hmm. So I some convenient annoying. steps being skipped there by the yes. writers. Um, so now we have a new scene where there's a, they're back at the apartment. There's a new cemetery salesman from a different cemetery, Mr. Twitchell, who's here to help Felix find a new plot, but Felix doesn't come out. The man leaves after handing Oscar some pornographic calendars. <laughs> well, <laughs> a semi, like the idea is like that dirty that, picture calendars that in order to spice up their marketing, they are giving out girly, you know, uh, swimsuit issue calendars to their and that's it yeah. Felix comes out later right after the guy leaves uh, no th- there's no point for that see there's no point for that actor to be there i as much as little as i remember the episode in general that does seem like one that was cut out in syndication like that i had no memory of so it's like a perfect cut they would have made for syndication i think so felix comes out and oscar shows him the brochures that this guy left felix rejects them all so lots of random jokes about the plot. This plot is here. This plot is there. It's like a lot of just random jokes that are not really clever or good enough for me to feel like it's important to rehash them. Right. The doorbell rings and it's Nancy. She says that one of her patients has a plot in the same cemetery as Felix and offers to sell it to him. And in fact, it's the same area where Felix was five yards away. So they go look at it, but Felix doesn't like it. He lies down in it and he said, or on it, he says, the view is blocked by Split Carson, who's the bully king of Eastern Long Island. And his grave is marked by a giant pedestal that's like five feet high with a bowling ball and a pin sculpture on it. Um, And Felix is also upset because the plot is in the sun. It's further from the brook. And when it rains, he'll be in a puddle because the ground is low. And the groundkeeper comes by and he also points out that one of Felix's new neighbors in this plot is going to be the captain of a garbage scow, which is, of course, the exact opposite of a cellist from the Philharmonic. Even worse. So he eventually agrees to take it, but Oscar's skeptical that Felix will actually be happy. So he has an idea and he asks Nancy to take Felix back to the apartment and so we have a new scene where Oscar's in the cemetery office with the guy who runs the cemetery, and he wants to find out who bought Felix's plot. And he wants to offer that guy $750. The man paid $500 for it. Somehow he knows that. So $750 is $4,672 today. And the cemetery guy essentially forces Oscar to give him $250 in order to yep. get the name <laughs> for Oscar to pay $750. So Oscar hands him $250 in cash. Where did Oscar get $250 in cash? If he had $250 in cash, <laughs> he would have needed Felix's $100 yes. to begin it's, with. It seems, I guess the irony is that for the sake of that $100 to bet on that horse, he ended up losing a lot more money. 
that is not the irony. course of this episode. That is an excuse. <laughs> There's no reason he should have had two hundred fifty dollars on his pocket. Yes. It's it's that's. Yeah. It I do like the uh, the little character actor who plays this uh, small part because he's so deliciously corrupt. You know, <laughs> I did not even bother. I, you go into up. the scene thinking that well, of course they're never going to disclose the name of this person, and he just like completely talks him into a even bigger bribe than Oscar wanted to give him. So he obviously gets the name Oscar and Felix. Then we see them entering a hospital room and there's a man in a bed named Mr. I think ben. it's an apart. I don't think it's a hospital. Room. I think it's his apartment. Oh, really? Oh, I think it's a hospital room, but whatever. They walk in a room. There's a man in a bed, Mr. Bankstrom. He's played by noted character actor, Ivor Francis, who's done a lot of TV. You probably recognize him. Uh, and as they start to talk to him, he is clearly very Felix-like. He's fussy, he's neat, he's spraying room spray, which Oscar notices, but Felix does not. Oscar says they want to buy his grave, but he says no. They go back and forth. Felix ultimately says, let him keep it. This man is so depressing. Felix now wants to celebrate his life. That's it. Then we have the tag. Felix comes home with matching funeral urns. Oscar, because I, I don't know. He has matching funeral urns so that they can be cremated together. I think together. the implication is that he's giving up on graves and right. going into cremation instead as like uh, a solution to, therefore he doesn't need a grave. So Oscar asks, which is Felix's? And then Oscar puts his ashes in it. Felix says, that's for my ashes. Uh, Oscar puts his cigar ashes in it, yes. is what I should say. Felix <laughs> says, that is for my ashes. And Oscar says, I'm giving you a head start. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. So I don't like this because I find the plot, the plot really depressing and silly at the same time. This funeral music they play throughout the episode is really annoying. The cemetery scenes, I just find so low in energy and so annoying. And the dumb cemetery jokes that just fill this episode are so trite and not funny. And I really, I did not like any of the guest stars. I found the biggest problem I have with this and the one that ultimately ruins for me is that final scene with Ivor Francis. He is so annoying <laughs> that it is so not entertaining. And I just find watching him to be a really, really? a huge chore. Oh my God. And I feels love that like, guy. Uh, I, I don't mind the actor. The actor is in mm -hmm. plenty of good things I've seen him in, yeah. but his portrayal of this old crotchety Felix is I just find super irritating. Mm -hmm. And I just, every time every time I see that fake cemetery or see his room or hear that old groundskeeper doing his old folk stuff, I just tune out. The only good things I like is when Felix, there's a line where Felix uh, says, the cemetery is on the phone because he wants to tell Oscar about this $100. And Oscar says, tell them I'm not ready yet. That's a funny line. That's funny. And then Oscar's reaction, we said this earlier, to the horse losing is very funny. Uh, but I give this one and a half Murrays because I just cannot, there's some of these scenes I just can't stomach. Even for this podcast, I, this is the first time I think, <laughs> this is why we skipped season one. It's the first time during this three months we've been doing this where I felt like I was doing work. Because I just find <laughs> watching these scenes so mm. intolerable. Mm. Uh, well, that's really your reaction to the Ivar Francis scene is interesting because you're right. He is so, it, it is such a bold performance that I loved it. 
because it was so annoying and so creepy he's like a he's the a nightmare hypochondriac he's like this grotesque older hypochondriac who is it's like such a diva performance i love it um but I could see why. <laughs> yes, he is really annoying. And the best part of that scene is is Oscar, every time he starts doing something like the room freshener or being a hypochondriac or a neat freak, Oscar just has this slow burn over to Felix where he says, does he remind you of anyone? And Felix goes, no, no. And then he does it a second time. You sure he doesn't remind you Yeah, I find, I hate anyone? that. It's so, it's so, it's such an it's, obvious joke. Yes, it is obvious. And I that I, I love the odd couple because of the so much of it is not obvious. Yes. Well, I I, I leave it to people to decide for themselves. I, I love that. I think that scene is 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 not a uh, you know it's 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 a question of uh, you know person. I guess people will react differently to it. But I, I thought Ivor Francis also just reminded me of Ivor Francis, who I you know, who I also recognize, but I couldn't I couldn't look pin where i'd recognize so it was i don't was he in other odd couples as well no no not i just so just from that era i guess he was just in so much uh he's just such a character and i have to say you mentioned john quaylen who plays the groundskeeper and no this is not one of the this is not a, a memorable performance but i remembered the groundskeeper character when he came on but i I didn't recognize him as John Quaylen until I saw in the credits. John Quaylen is a major character actor in those John Ford movies. He's in The Grapes of Wrath. He's in The Searchers. He's in His Girl Friday, uh, Howard Hawks movie. And he's a, uh, one of my favorite actors from that period. And I, and I, but I, he was unrecognizable. It's only his voice. He got you know, puffed up a bit. You know, He's in, in his older age. He's chubbier. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of great lines in this episode, I agree. But I just got personally a great kick out of seeing him and it's interesting reminder that doing a show like The Odd Couple in, in LA, in Hollywood in the 70s, you had this bunch of character actors still hanging around from the golden age of Hollywood who, who could do these bit parts. Um, it's a, and a lot of them we've seen in already in The Odd Couple showing up. So I had some like nostalgic uh, connection to those things and uh, enough that I'd give it two and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. But, I, um, well, but one, one thing I do agree with you on is like the whole premise is... Like, I don't know, feel it like what, you know, we're uh, rough what age sort of what Felix is supposed to be or even older than what he's supposed to be. Like, really, this is something that people do is by their grave now. And yeah, doesn't, I, doesn't it imply, it also implies that he never going to get married again. Like he thinks he's going to die alone. So for um, Felix, who's usually very full of life, I, there's no, yeah. there's no reason given for his, I mean, there is kind of, but there's no, he shouldn't be this model he shouldn't be thinking this far ahead to yes. his death right. um you know there's the other episode where they're both getting old that we've talked about that's in mm. season five which is a much better episode than this and they, they do explain that well right but this there's no explanation for it. it's a weird premise yeah all right so the next episode we're going to talk about is does your mother know you are out rigoletto which is episode seven from season two with an air date of November 5th, 1971. It's interesting that the three out of the four episodes we're talking about here were early in the season, which I I believe, or I'm, I, I don't think is a coincidence, I think they're working out the kinks of adapting the show to the new format and where they eventually discovered what makes the show, I think, so golden today. 
and it just took them a while to get there. So the writers on that episode are? Uh, it is... Oh, uh, one, at, one writer. Yeah, Ron Friedman is the writer who is uh, uh, still very much part of their stable of writers. He wrote uh, Felix, Felix's wife's boyfriend this season as well. So we open on the living room with Felix's opera club and they're gathered. The Lexington the Avenue Opera Company. And Felix is saying to the assembled group that they're putting on their first opera highlights, their first opera show, which is opera highlights from Rigoletto. And they are auditioning for a star. They have a guest there who's a budding opera star from Flint, Dayton, and Poughkeepsie. That's his recent engagements. Signor Murphy, who is listed in the credits as Herbert Murphy. Uh, he's played by John Wheeler, who's an actor and a real life opera singer, which and is- who- shows up he with consistency as a member of this whenever they bring back the opera company. But I right? don't think it's this character. Oh, maybe not the same name, but I just, whenever Felix gets his little opera company together, this guy is always part of it, I think. So yes, he was in other episodes, but the character's name became Mr. Felsher later, not Herbert Murphy. Um, so... He is, uh, he makes a big speech about being around all the, uh, about being around cultured people and how, you know, he is, I think he tries to puff himself up as this big opera star and he starts to sing. And at some point he walks over to the doorway and picks up some roses that were sitting around and he starts to act out as if he's going to hand out the roses to somebody in the opera and he's facing the door and at that moment, Oscar walks in again in his sweatpants and says, for me, um, which is a, a funny moment. And from there, we, we get this clip. What, what are you doing, home? I live here, remember? This is my opera day, remember? I forgot, Felix, I'm sorry. I told you a thousand times, you I never listened to a woman. This is Oscar Madison, ladies oh, and gentlemen. I'm awfully sorry. I just keep mean. doing what you're doing. I'm just gonna get a beer and a shower. You'll never know I'm here. Love you, <laughs> love you flowers. <laughs> Doesn't he want to hear me sing? Of course he does. Please, please, don't be offended. Just, just excuse. We'll have a little impromptu intermission. I'll be, I'll be right back. Just. Do you know that you are very rude? Why? I thanked him for the flowers. <laughs> He's insulted. He doesn't think you like his singing. I don't. I hate opera. Please, come on in and listen to him sing. Why? Because he's the best Rigoletto we can get for $300. I don't want to offend him, and I don't want to lose him. But Felix, I laugh. He's a very funny guy. I had to bite my tongue when he handed me the corsage. <laughs> you owe him an apology. Don't do this for me, please. All right, Felix, I'm going to laugh, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, here we are, here we are, here we are. And he's dying to hear you sing. Oh, this is going to be a treat for you. Sit right down there. Maestro. Oh! 
a tick? No, no, no. Uh, no, no, no. Yes, a tick. tick. No, 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 I meant to say a tick. Oh, oh. Uh, come, we will begin again. No, no, no. Start from the top, maestro. Sit right on the hill. So it's a funny scene. It's there is a visual in there. I recognize when when the the laughter is because when uh, he starts to sing, the the faces that Jack Klugman makes to try to prevent himself from laughing are very funny. Yeah. He's very and startled. he's also singing right in yes. Oscar's face. Yes, and, <laughs> and he's it, very animated, and he's it's a romantic uh aria and so he's you know making love to oscar with his voice and <laughs> and watching jack klugman tr very convincingly like trying to to hold in his laughter is is hilarious yeah. yeah he's very startled every time the guy starts to sing um that's the best part of the whole show like i always that's in the first five minutes right i i, I when i <laughs> my problem with this episode is i see it and I love this scene. I really do like yeah, the scene. It's a good, and start, then, good start. And then I go, what's this episode? And then I realize, oh, Christ, <laughs> it's the Rigoletto episode. Um, so uh, later in Oscar rooms, he's still apologizing and and because that guy quit. And he says he'll get him another star. And Felix is skeptical, but Oscar says that a first baseman on his team is a great singer, Richard Fredericks. And Felix is stunned to know that the star of the New York City Opera Company, who I've never heard of until only for this episode, but apparently was a big opera star at the time, still is singing and, and alive, as far as I could tell, um, is a friend of Oscar's. Um, he made his debut with the New York City Opera in 1960 and the Metropolitan Opera in 1976. So the next day, we're at FU Enterprises again, mm -hmm. Felix's studio, and Felix is photographing two blondes in bikinis for a sunscreen ad, but he's very tense. I don't know why those women were there. There's no need for them. Uh, Oscar then walks in with Fredericks. Now, did you notice the audience does not applause? Which uh, I, you know, I didn't think of that, but you're right. Yeah. Now that is his entrance in the show, right? Right. So I, I, I've, my assumption is they don't know who he's he is. the guest star. Right. They never heard of him. <laughs> but of course, the, 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 the crew, the stagehands, the, the studio audience easily put the note. My the studio, oh, I the, yes. I'm surprised that the production staff didn't force the audience yes. applause or even insert right. applause into the right. show. Like, right. there's it's like because to show say that he's the guest star, right? Right. Um, so Felix immediately, I'm sorry, Fredericks immediately says that Felix isn't that he will be in Felix's show. Uh, why he would do it, I don't know, but <laughs> then Felix asks him to sing. And he sings a song. Look, I have to tell you, I hate opera. I don't really, I hate this episode because I cannot, it ruins it. Like there's 15 minutes of opera in it. And that to me is not for the odd couple. So I put in my notes, Z's, multiple Z's. Cause you're basically just like Oscar because I am uh, just like Oscar. Right. Because that's the part of the, again, what's funny about that opening scene is that Oscar is the perfect man on the street, common man who just, thinks opera is ridiculous and there's, funny. <laughs> there's plenty of 
<laughs> opera in the show that works. There's other episodes, other scenes. Yes, they There's have the better episodes. Marrow and Horn is yes. a better episode. Yes. But this is just watching opera being sung. It's just like the Roy Clark episode. I don't really enjoy watching Roy Clark sing yeah, in that episode. Yeah. Oh, I just, me, yeah. I don't need, I enjoy that episode a lot, but I don't like those scenes. We're not skipping that. Well, we're in, look, we have, we have a guest star issue where they're giving yes. the guest star. Well, let's talk about time. that now. So yes. let's just talk about, as okay. we know, we've read from research books that both Jack Klugman, Tony Randall lobbied campaign to get their their favorite person co-star on the show and they would then trade off episodes where Felix gets Fredericks and Oscar gets Howard Cosell and Felix gets Marilyn Horn and Oscar gets Roy Clark, I'm assuming. And some of them worked. The Bobby yep. Riggs episode, I don't know if that was done by one of them. And some of them just don't. I think more of them work than do. Well, we just did a David Steinberg one. Right. But I don't know Which if that does I, work. That's but I can't tell. I'm, I'm not talking about guest star episodes in general. I'm talking about the episodes. A celebrity. Which are, I'm talking about the episodes which were clearly the, the star was chosen by one of the two, by uh, Tony or yes. Oscar. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm not talking about all guest star episodes. Right. All right. So F- Frederick sings. He uh, now we have a new scene in the in the living room again. Oscar comes out after a baseball game, but Fredericks comes in in a cast. And Felix says, "You broke my rigoletto," which is a, <laughs> in a funny Italian accent. Yeah, it's a, it's a memorable it's a memorable line from the show. If I may, you broke my rigoletto. That's right. I can't do that. I'm glad you did it. Felix is very upset. He blames Oscar for some reason. Oscar Felix doesn't know what to do now, so Frederick suggests that he he sings off stage while someone acts out the part on stage, and Frederick suggests that Oscar does it because Oscar's never come seen. Of Frederick's perform, which is just also ridiculous. And why wouldn't they'll stretch? Why wouldn't Oscar <laughs> tell Felix that I know Richard Fredericks? Would you hear some tickets to go see him perform by now? Like <laughs> I, uh, Felix should be really pissed yes. that he knows this legendary singer and has never invited him. So uh, Oscar agrees to do it, and then they rehearse the scene with Richard singing, and Oscar. Um, Oscar now is in a is in a uh, acting like a hunchback in right, the character of Rigoletto is a hunchback. Right. So they're in the they're in the apartment and they're Oscar's pretending to be a hunchback, and uh, it's not funny. And by the way, I don't know why Felix just doesn't play this role. Like Felix is telling Oscar how to do it. Felix is the budding impresario opera singer. So why wouldn't he do it? So we have a new scene. Felix wakes up Oscar and says he's going to play a tape recorder next night, next to him overnight of the arias in the, in the opera, which I guess Felix just sung into the tape recorder. So he puts it by and then Oscar rolls over and it plays really loud and it jolts him out of bed. A completely useless scene. Now we have another scene and they're rehearsing in Felix's studio. So Oscar comes out in a gesture costume. He looks really not, it's not funny. I think he looks dumb, just ridiculous. Like and, with the cap and bells and yes. the whole thing. Yeah. And he does an Igor bit as if he's, you know, Igor yes. from Hunchback and Notre Dame, right? No. Uh, you're mixing up Igor and Frankenstein with yes. the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Right, but I he, think he- was Quasimodo, he, yeah. But he doesn't he pretend to be Igor from Frankenstein? Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Okay, so now Oscar's rehearsing this scene where he carries a girl in his arms and there's a woman uh, who maybe was from the opera club, I guess, who they put in a sack. I mean, we see her being put into yeah. a sack and Oscar really is carrying this woman around. Right. 
And Felix interrupts a lot. So the whole joke is how Oscar has to carry a heavy thing, which is a person. And he keeps calling her fat, which he right. does apologize for later. And that's so, it. Like that's yeah, it's joke. just a bunch of fat jokes, right? It's like uh... and, and, and and heavy and it's a bunch of fat jokes and also the joke of some and they you know, friends has done this. Someone carrying something heavy while somebody else mm-hmm. messes around and like fumfers around while the person carrying the heavy thing has to keep carrying it. Right. So Felix suggests that Oscar or Frederick suggests that Oscar just kneel with the with the bag instead of carrying it. Felix says no. Frederick threatens to leave. He calls Felix a dingbat director and then leaves because Felix will feel like the director's the ultimate authority. He won't apologize because the director's the boss. Oscar convinces him to apologize, but Frederick comes back and apologizes himself. He says Felix is right. The director is the boss. Felix then decides to go with Frederick's idea of laying the body on the ground, but then they don't do it. Then Felix is, Oscar's carrying it again. (laughs) So now... The final scene is in the apartment. It looks like it's after the show's over. Yeah. So after all that build up in the rehearsal, we just, okay, we skipped the show itself. Right. <laughs> that then, apparently went well. And Felix, uh, Fredericks is back in the apartment with them. And Felix wants him to sing another song, another aria. But Oscar wants him to sing a favorite of his. And so Felix starts to play that song which we have no way to know how Felix know what song to play. He just starts playing. They don't playing. announce? Does somebody announce? No, they do if not. If ever I should no, leave you? No. no. F- Frederick starts to sing If Ever I Would Leave You, which is from Camelot, which was Robert Goulet's signature song. And then Oscar emphatically sings along with him. Well, kind of like having fun, pretending yeah, to pretending be a, to sing, play a, a great romantic yeah, crooner. Right. Yes. Right. That's the That's comedy it. in the scene is watching Jack Klugman some alleged comedy. If you, yeah, I was about <laughs> to, to say, if you call to, that comedy. Right. I mean, just to make it something other than Richard Frederick singing again, just to give yeah. Klugman some shtick to do. Uh, but it's kind of a lame tag. So yeah. that's it. So I, this whole episode is so forced to me. Obviously, it's famous that this is a, what, this is a favor for Tony Randall. Um, you know, I, I guess if you love opera, then you may have a different opinion of the episode than I. I, I get it. I'm talking about for us or me at least as a as a odd couple fan yes speak for yourself uh, there's you you vulgar uh, there's, <laughs> there's way too much singing in the episode and that outfit of seeing jack Klugman in that dumb outfit and carrying around the quote-unquote fat girl for 10 minutes is just agonizing it is so unfunny i forget the opera i do not buy anyone who likes opera who likes the singing still enjoying that scene. Those scenes are unfunny. Well, you are you are right, Ted. You are correct, sir, because I do like opera and I still don't like this episode. Okay, good. Um, so the, the, let me just say the few things I do like, yes, the opening scene, which is visual, is a really good scene, which, the one we played. Uh, Oscar had a good line where he said, the only opera I've ever seen had the Marx Brothers in it. Night at the night at the and there's Oscar does a little Al Jolson while he's rehearsing, which <laughs> while was, he's because he's supposed to he's like sinking to his knee with the body, yeah. Which was an amusing the way he does yeah. is funny. I give this look, I would have given this one Murray, which I'm only reserving for season one episodes, but <laughs> I the reason it gets one and a half for me is just because of the first of the opening yeah. scene. And that's reason enough. Yeah, I I agree. I would also give this one and a half. This is and and it's a it's a hard one for me because I do like opera. I do 
I know Rigoletto. Uh, I enjoy whatever inside opera in, in Rigoletto jokes there are. Um, but here's what disappoints me the most is that all they have, it's like the worst kind of guest star show because they have an opera singer and all they can't generate any plot about this other than he agrees to sing, he breaks his leg and then he walks out of a rehearsal. That's kind of all that happens. Uh, like the whole, the, every episode has its centerpiece or its climactic scene. And here it's that rehearsal where nothing really funny happens. Uh, you would think normally the, the climax would be the performance itself or something hilarious would happen, but they skip over that because that would be too hard. And, and as you mentioned, right, it's like half the episode is, is Richard Frederick singing. So that leaves maybe 10 minutes of actual dialogue and plot, which goes nowhere. It just goes nowhere. So it's just not satisfying in any kind of dramatic or comedic way, really. There's the, you know, it's fun to see Felix be a diva director, you know, again, uh, uh, you know, uh, getting too big for his britches and telling Richard Fredericks what to do. Um, it's fun seeing Oscar clown around a bit, but it's just such a stretch to make the whole story happen and it goes nowhere. Neither of those two things you said are fun. There's the episodes where <laughs> Felix is a director and over. Yes, there are done. better ones. Yes, there are definitely. Better. It's not just better. There are good episodes about that. Yes. Yes. And it is not fun seeing Oscar clown around in a green <laughs> hunchback outfit. Carrying he does it a lot. Don't you notice like that getting Oscar in a uncharacteristic kind of costume is a, like yeah. when he does the other opera show, he has to dress up for Carmen. And the fat dress, suit. Yeah. He does the yes. fat suit episode. And the man. And our episode. The which episode? Season one. Season one, uh, when he's the bullfighter, Mandar Cologne. I don't know. I don't. Oh, I, okay. I couldn't remember that until you brought it up. All right. So that's our coverage of that episode. So our final episode of this uh, four pack of oddball lesser episodes is Where's Grandpa, which is season two, episode 18. That aired on January 28th, 1972, written by... Uh, another frequent writer, Albert Lewin, who we just talked about on a, who wrote, he wrote the fat farm episode, which is a good episode. Yes. So this is available on CBS all access. Uh, I should say that the Rigoletto episode is only available on DVD, which is a good thing. So Where's Grandpa opens up on a Parker gang with Speed, Murray, and Vinny. Uh, Oscar. It is nice to see the gang back together. It is, yes. I must say. And Oscar, again, this is like before we get into what makes this episode bad, there's good moments. Uh, Oscar's handing out potato chips really disgustingly messily with his hands, like just grabbing them out of the bag and throwing them on people's place, like at the front of them. And we find out that Felix has gone for a week in Acapulco. Uh, and Oscar is celebrating, apparently by making a mess. He says, tonight we live, live, live. And the phone rings. And the phone, whoever's on the phone is telling Oscar that Felix's grandfather, who later we find out the name is Albert, and his grandmother, Mimi, who, by the way, Murray has a wife named Mimi. And there's an episode oh. where Murray's wife Yes. It's, well, Murray and Mimi have a fight, and Murray moves in with Oscar and Felix. Oddly reminiscent. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they had a fight at the senior home, and Grandpa took off. Uh, 
and they are married 57 years. Okay, it is preposterous that <laughs> Felix Unger has a grandfather yeah. who's right. been married 57 right. years. Felix is yep. 50. Do the math. And this does not work out. <laughs> Unless Felix's grandfather had a son who, when that son was three, uh, <laughs> another yeah, child. It does, it but is, to be fair, to, okay, I, we do have to tackle this right on, right at the front and before we can put it aside. But yes, it raises again questions about how old uh, the, the guys are, especially Felix. And we could say, you could say Felix is 50 because Tony Randall's 50 or thereabouts. But let's forget about Tony Randall. Let's just say, based on what we know from the show itself, is that Felix was in the army in World War II. Yeah. Now, if the youngest he could have been, let's say he was 18 in 1945. <laughs> Right. That means he would have been born in 1927. Well, if 1835, 30 years, you know, 30 years later is 48, and this is not 75. Right. So, you know, the earliest he could be, maybe in his mid 40s. Albert is said to be 80. Right. Yes. So uh, he was born in 1890. Felix is born in 1927 at the earliest. I guess, you know, if he was a teenage dad, if, if and his then dad, Felix yes. is. Dad was a teenager. Exactly. That's how it worked. My, I did count. My, my math said they both had to have a child at 15. Right. Which I feel like. And if, hey, maybe in the old days they did that. Ah, uh, yeah. Time. This is. But then we know that Felix and Oscar were kids of the 20s together. Oh, right. Know. Their fathers. Yeah. Are in Chicago in the 20s. Right. right. So it. This, it I, this, okay. I know you don't want to say anymore, but the, but I will, I will say this. The one th way it would work is if they just made Grandpa 90 instead of 80. Okay, but then he can't look like this. Right, awesome. he would just not be as energetic as he is. Right. So the doorbell rings after Oscar hangs on the phone and it's Grandpa Unger, Unger which is Tony Randall in, I would say, <laughs> a fairly decent old man makeup. I think they did yes. a decent job of this. Oh, I, I agree. Oscar invites him in, but then notices that he has his luggage, much like the day Felix walked in mm -hmm. and yeah. that he's here to stay. So Oscar tries to call Felix in Acapulco, but cannot get him. And Oscar calls Albert 80 years old, which is ridiculous. Um, and Albert then comes, Albert goes into the, I guess, Felix's room while the boys are playing poker. Then he comes back out and he starts to interrupt the poker game. He's spraying room spray. He's calling out the cards to everyone. Um, and he starts to cry. And then he goes back to his room because he is upset about the fight with Mimi. And then later, Albert tells Oscar, when Oscar's in Felix's room as Albert's unpacking, that the fight was about jealousy. He got jealous of the fact that she winked at a judge in a needlepoint contest and then accused her of having an affair with a golf pro. And Oscar tries to get Albert to call Mimi to make up, but he wants to stay there and Oscar agrees to it. Oscar cancels the next poker game because he's because uh, Murray uh, Albert's in the way and Oscar doesn't want to go anywhere because he's afraid of leaving Albert alone. He does remember that Felix tried to commit suicide back when Felix moved in. So I like all these callbacks to really what is the original Odd Couple play and movie. Yes, right, right, which is which is kind of being made canon now as part of this because they're referencing it. Uh, so we have a new scene where Murray and Oscar are eating and Albert makes everything very tidy while they're eating. Uh, now, this is a scene, This an interesting part about this. This is one of the few times that I noticed Jack Klugman, he breaks. 
he, when Albert is doing, when Tony Randall is doing stuff as Albert, you can see Jack Klugman laughing. <laughs> he puts his head down. I, oh, wow. Okay. I did not know. I have to go back and look at he that. He puts his hand over his face <laughs> and he is laughing. It's very Tim Conway and Harvey Corman esque. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, my guess is that this was the best take they could get of that because other takes Jack Klugman's <laughs> even laughing too much. So Grandpa says he's going to clean the storage room, which Oscar says, what storage room? And you find out that he thinks Oscar's room is a storage room. Uh, Albert says he really wants to clean it, but Oscar insists that he cannot go in there. Oscar feel, Albert says, cleaning is my therapy. Oscar says, no, I'm adamant you cannot go in. So now Albert goes to the laundry room of the building and in there is an old lady named Loretta who is aware of Felix. Like he, she finds out that Albert is Felix's grandfather and she's aware that Felix is quote unquote a regular. So she's played by an actress named Anne Duran, who started acting in 1922, at least credited in silent films, and has 380 acting credits under her, officially attributed to her, including a final episode credit in Hunter in 1988. Hunter was the, I get that confused with. With what? With like uh, all the other cop shows. So Hunter starred (laughs) Fred Dreyer, Stephen J. Cannell, yeah, vaguely, vaguely. It was it was a big hit. It aired on Saturday nights after the Golden Girls for many years. Oh, now oh, Golden Girls on Empty Nest, and then Hunter. Mm-hmm. I watched it every Saturday. Um, and there's apparently the when I read about her, people suspect she has hundreds of other silent films. She's certainly a very familiar face, but uh, and I can see from her credits like a lot of westerns. She plays like the up upstanding older lady in a lot of. I saw some Bonanza on her credits. The yeah. deal I read is that she probably has hundreds of other credits from silent mm. movies that are yeah. just uncredited. Child, child's a child actor, yeah. Um, then they uh, talk about their spouses. Uh, she thinks a jealous man shows character. Now we go back upstairs. We see Murray and Oscar playing gin. Uh, the audience applauds when Murray wins gin <laughs> for some reason. I, let's, Ted, do you, have you noticed Murray gets a lot of applause lines? Like he'll... On his exit, I've noticed it's already in season two. He's an audience favorite. He gets uh, in some of the other episodes. There's like applause on his exit line, or some joke he makes. Uh, that I was not surprised by that. It's actually becoming but a thing. I think most of them are earned. This one mm-hmm. is not earned. This he is just, random. Yeah, I mean, he uh, Murray is making some funny faces while he's doing it, but yeah. I don't know why they applaud so much. So Albert comes upstairs and says he has a date with with Loretta, and says he might get lucky. He might get lucky. Uh, this is great for Oscar because it'll get Albert out of the house. And, uh, but later Loretta comes up and says that Albert misunderstood. They just fluffed and folded together. She has a steady gentleman. There is no date. So Albert's in Felix's room getting ready for his date with Bay Rub, which I guess is, <laughs> is that I always thought he was saying Bay Rum, but you, you look it up. Is it a thing? Oh, I thought he said Bay Rub. I didn't, I think I had the the captioning on and i thought it said rub i think it's right, right. i'm sorry i should have looked it up uh and oscar has to tell him that he does not have a date and uh, he believe he says it turns like uh, uh, this is what i wore on uh, uh my first date with mimi it turns me on <laughs> okay albert is now <laughs> jealous and upset and says he wants to be alone so now we have a new poker game and Murray is winning big time. And that's where we get this first clip. We actually have almost six minutes of clips from this episode wow. somehow. 
because I think there were some scenes without her, without the grandfather that are decent. So here's one of them. Murray, why don't you sit down when you're dealing, huh? Because I can't see over all these chips. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to borrow something from Oscar to take him home in. Why don't you use your nose? <laughs> Telephone. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, Murray, you. Excuse me, gentlemen. Hey, no matter who it is, you're not leaving this room. Thank you, Oscar. Yellow? <laughs> what? Yeah, right away. Hey, guys, I gotta leave the game. You're not leaving here, Murray. I gotta go. This is my sergeant. There's a leaper in the neighborhood. A leaper? What's a leaper? That's a suicide jumper. Sarge, what's the address? Uh-huh. Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue. What floor, Sarge? The 11th floor. The 11th floor. Hey, come on, step back. Who are these out there? Oscar, let me handle this. Look, at the police academy, I got an A in leapers. Don't worry, I'll just say, Grandpa, don't jump. Think of all the people who love you. Think of your wife in Sunshine City. Dumbo, that's why he's jumping. <laughs> don't jump, Grandpa. Oscar, help me. Don't jump. I don't want to jump. I want to come in. Well, come on in there. I can't. Why not? I can't move. I'm petrified. I'm cold. All right. Wait, I'll come and get you. Yeah, I'll come and get you. Yeah, Easy, Oscar. Come on. Don't look down. No, he tells me. Easy, Oscar. Look, I'm not very much of a bargain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't lean back against the building. It's dirty. <laughs> I'm glad you're not drowning. So, uh, what we did, you can't tell just from listening to the clip, is at the end of the scene, Murray closes the window before Oscar could get back in, which is kind of funny. Leaving uh, him out on the ledge. On the ledge, idea. yes. Because they are walking, uh, uh, they are out on the 11th floor on the ledge of the building. So the next scene, Albert is getting ready to go back home. And Oscar has called Mimi and she's coming to get him, which is just like that Murray episode. Um, Os Albert is upset because he's worried he's going to get jealous. So they rehearse what it's like. And now this is, this is a grandpa scene. But... It is the most Felix and Oscar-like scene of the episode, I think. So I, it, it, as I was watching it, I do real, I realized it was clip-worthy. Um, and so we're going to play it here. He's so sad. I called your wife. She'll be here any minute. You know that's what you want. But don't sit there like Willie Loman. It's all a ring. <laughs> it won't work. As soon as I see her, I'll ruin it. I know it. Why? Because of my insane jealousy. 
As soon as I see her, I run amok. I'm an animal. Oh, that's ridiculous. You're not too old to change. Uh, you know what we're going to do, Grandpa? Uh, we're going to rehearse. I'm going to be Mimi. You be you. We'll see what you say when I come in, OK? You'll be Mimi? Yeah. <laughs> Don't laugh. Just use your imagination. Uh, we're going to pretend. I want to see we can correct the wrong things, OK? I'm Mimi, right? Uh, OK, uh, here we go. OK, now ring the bell and I'm in. Hello, Albert. Hello, Mimi. Why'd you wear that dress? You know I hate it. What dress? A brown print with a plunging neckline. I'm wearing a brown print with a plunging neckline? What do you call it? No, you're, you're imagining too good. Look, look, I'm Mimi and I'm not wearing anything. Look. No, forget it. <laughs> I'm wearing a dress that you like. Well, I like the blue dress. Oh, forget the dress. She will wear it. She's going to be here soon. Come on, let's try it again, all right? All right, ring and I'm in. Hello, Albert. So nice to see you. I haven't slept since you left. You haven't shaved either. <laughs> oh, you're gonna cut it out. Now, come on, let's try it. One more time. I'll okay. Stop. Yes. Come on, here we go. Yes. Bring it, I'm in. Hello, Albert. Hello, Mimi. Oh. When Oscar called me, I came right over. I caught the first bus. You try to pick up the bus driver as usual? <laughs> Weak in his rearview mirror. I know your style. No, no, your style. Why are you attacking like that? There you are. Oh, no, I know. Listen, wait a minute. I'm going to show you. You be Mimi. I'll be you. I'll show you what you should do. I'll be Mimi. You be Mimi, yes. OK, you got it? I got it. OK, don't bother to go up the stairs. We don't have that much time. Hello, Mimi. You look lovely. Hello, Albert. Sorry I wore the brown print. I know you don't <laughs> I threw myself into oh, the park. Forget that, will you? Listen, I'm awfully sorry, Mimi, that I have been jealous. I know I have no right to be jealous, and I shouldn't be jealous. I know I can trust you. No, you have every right to be jealous. The minute your back was turned, I've been throwing myself at every man in Sunshine City. I'm no good. You shouldn't trust me. I'm rough. Is that what you I'm would say? No, I say that. Yeah, but who are you when you say that? Are you me? Are you out? I, I, oh, okay. Hello, Albert. Hello, Mimi. See, I told you she'd wear the brown print. <laughs> oh, look, I turned it up. See? Does it look better? Yes. How did the bingo game go last night? Oh, I won. Of course you won. How much help did you get from your admirers? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm only jealous because you're so beautiful. Can you forgive me? Oh, Albert. Uh, so Mimi is played by Madge Kennedy, who was a big Broadway and silent film star in the 1910s and 1920s. Then she retired and she came out of retirement in 1952 and had periodic uh, appearances on TV and movies. And her final movie role was in The Marathon Man. I don't know who she played, but that was her credit. So then we have a tag from that clip. Murray and Oscar playing gin. Felix is back. He looks at Oscar's cards and announces them out loud, just like his grandfather did. And Murray declares gin. And then Oscar throws the cards at Murray's face. And there's a free frame before they actually hit him. I think that is perhaps the lamest all-time tag. 
it is the whole series yeah because it is so perfunctory and felix doesn't even mention his grandma yes, it's not I even know. clear does felix ever know that his I grandfather know. it is there? i it's yeah <laughs> it, they had an opportunity to do something much right. better but that apparently would have been too i guess they just didn't they just avoided it because they didn't want to get into it but they got into it for 20 minutes and four scenes but they does felix they he does notify felix at some point I can't imagine Oscar never told. But what Felix. isn't he trying to call Acapulco? Yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. Felix is for some strange reason. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's, Felix doesn't seem to care. Uh, you're you're doing what I normally do, which is to pretend this is the real world and make fun of it. I just don't even okay. think there was any okay. attempt to right. to try to make it. I don't know. They had a thirty minute. I, yeah, I can't explain why it was so lame. So I don't like this episode because. I just, the whole premise of Tony Randall playing his grandfather, I just don't find entertaining. I'd rather, much rather have had another normal odd couple episode. I just, it's, it's shtick that's unnecessary. And I really find old people jokes, mm. I, Golden Girls is an exception. Most shows that were old people either being too spry or old people just being old, I find just exhausting. All the family had this this couple later on in the show who were like 90 and getting married and they would pop up. And I just, I can't watch those episodes. There are good scenes here. Oscar being messy um, in the first scene is funny. Uh, the, the fact that they reference Felix, uh, the references to the, the original, um, this isn't funny, but the fact that they reference the, the canon of the play, the kind of ethos of the whole show is good. Um, Oscar says at one point that Albert came all the way from Sunshine Shitty with Sunshine. Oh my God. Sun. <laughs> Your shine, version is funnier. Sunshine City, which is the name of the home, that he came all the way from Sunshine City to rain on my parade. Uh, when Murray says yellow on the phone, <laughs> yeah, what is the, that's like a fun, 70s hipster thing. And then the rehearsal scene that we played, I do think is funny. So I give this two out of five Murrays. At least there's. Randall Klugman interactions here, yes. even if it's a you know, a phonied, you know, all done up Tony Randall, but I still like find this whole premise just unnecessary. Um, yeah, I kind of feel the same. I mean, it is. Uh, I was not looking. I had. I was not looking forward to seeing a whole episode devoted to Tony Randall, uh, done in old man makeup. But I must say, given that, I was surprised how watchable he was in that role um it's not a joke he plays it i mean he has it's funny but he plays it seriously he never breaks character he is a very different character than Felix. i mean obviously similarities but it's it's not felix unger he, he's created a new character for grandpa unger and commits to it and i was also impressed how i agree that the best thing is you do get a lot of Klugman Randall. That's them. The their chemistry is still the episode, and I was just really impressed how Klugman was able to act with Randall in a totally different way. Like he never got mad at him. He never. He was always respectful of him, and there he is acting with Tony Randall as a, really rec respecting him as a totally different character, which uh, I imagine wasn't easy given how you know their relationship. So I found a lot interesting about their their in their scenes together. Um, but they're not really a lot of laughs. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I was fascinated by Randall's performance is almost as like a dramatic role 
but not a lot of funny stuff happening. Uh, uh, the, except for the rehearsal scene that you played is it feels like a great improv between them that they must have developed. Um, and I like the the uh, harking back to the play. It's almost like a replay, a retread. It's the same plot instead of Felix getting thrown out and coming over. Now his grandfather does the same thing. There's so much setup that is either feels really lazy or is kind of a clever homage. And uh, perhaps my favorite line is um, from uh, Loretta, who I think, you know, I don't remember the scene in the basement laundry. That's a scene that I think might've been cut out in syndication because I used to remember how funny it was that out of nowhere, she just says, tell Albert that I will always admire a man who served under Blackjack Pershing. <laughs> <laughs> who was the head American general in World War One? But he does reference that in the yes, laundry he, scene. He shows so her. So it's not random. <laughs> I think he shows her his discharge, discharge papers, papers signed right. by Pershing. Yeah. But that, as a kid, stuck in my mind. Like I had to find out who Blackjack Pershing was because it was such a funny sounding name. And, but also really dated. That's like really old. Even for 1970, it's like World War One, So it's really dated. Um, I must say I give it two and a half just because there's. I, I did find myself very fond of some of the chemistry between them and, and, and watching Randall do this character in a pretty convincing way, ultimately. I also like how his crying was like the new honking. Yeah, Did yeah. you feel that like that? <laughs> yeah, 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 a little bit. I agree with you about the way that Jack Longley has to act differently. And I do think Tony Randall is good in the role. I just... But it is such a weird premise. I mean, imagine yes. someone doing that today, right? Like yeah. having, like on Friends, having... A, Chandler like dress up as yeah, there is I think there's another there's some other show I feel like in the 70s or 80s did this or maybe more than one where an actor plays his own something I, uh -huh. I know there is I just can't think of them anyway that is our coverage of these four episodes uh we have two more episodes of season two to cover uh, we will definitely be devoting a full episode to Oscar promotion, which is an episode I really like, although I feel like you don't. I, I was, uh, I'm wary of it, but I will give it. When will... was the last time you've seen it? 20 years ago. Okay. I saw it like two months ago. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, and then the last episode of the season is Psychic Schmeichik, which we have yet to determine. It's, I know it's an episode I don't really like, but we will either well, cover that episode as a mini episode with Oscars promotion in the spirit of what we've done here, or we will end our season two coverage with a full episode on that. We have, we are so close to finishing season two that we'll have to see whether we can do it all at once or, yes. or not. So thank you everyone for listening. I hope you uh, enjoyed or at least were entertained by our new format or this, this not new format, but this different format, which we will, we will do again, but I'm pretty sure that seasons three to five have far fewer clunkers that I can recall off the top of my head, at least for me, than season two. So I'm not sure how often we'll do it. And at some point, as we've said for a while, we will go back and look at season one in somewhat of the same format. Uh, although I did have to go back and watch season one a little bit to look for Ogden Talbot to make sure I was looking at the right guy. And there's this, there's another- Christmas He's in the episode. Scrooge one. Yeah, he's yeah. in the Scrooge one. And as like, I was, ugh, I was so bored watching that. <laughs> Just finding, finding the clip yeah. of him. Yeah. Uh, so if uh, you have any feedback, please email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. 
and uh, continue to hope people will leave us some good ratings and feedback on uh, iTunes. I do not have a line from the odd couple to quote to you today. So I just will say good night. Oh, we'll do a Chet Huntley Brinkley. That's a great reference. Okay. Good night, Garrett. Good night, Ted. Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue. <laughs>